listening to Expand Your Horizons, the podcast for English language teachers and wanderlust indulgers. This is Lauren and Shannon, teacher training duo of TefelHorizons.com. Each week, we bring you teaching advice, travel tips, and inspiring stories from around the globe. Here's to making this big world a little smaller by connecting ESL teachers everywhere. Welcome to episode 31 of Expand Your Horizons. This week, I'm pleased to welcome Eliberto Salinas as our guest. Eliberto has extensive experience as an English teacher and is also a CELTA trainer at International House Mexico, where he's based in Mexico City. Today, he's joining me to talk about something many teachers find challenging, supporting students of different English levels in the same classroom. Join us for a conversation about how to identify and cater to students' differences in the classroom, including some practical strategies for adapting activities and presenting materials to accommodate students of varying language levels in the same group. We'll talk about how this might work in physical classrooms and then, of course, online. And one quick announcement before we start. If you haven't heard already, at the time this episode is airing, April 2020, we are currently hosting a weekly webinar series to offer some accessible professional development during this time of quarantining and social distancing. So every Friday, I'm welcoming a guest presenter for an interactive online workshop. Actually, Eliberto and I just did a workshop this past Friday, and uh, we really enjoyed engaging with all of our participants. We had a great turnout. So definitely, if you want to get in on the next webinar, please join us. Our guest will be Andre Alipio, and he'll be teaching us how to promote learner autonomy, both in the physical and online classroom. As I mentioned, the webinars are every Friday, so this one is this coming Friday, May 1st, at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, which is 5 p.m. in Andre's time zone in Mexico City. So to register and save your seat, head over to tefelhorizons.com webinars, and I hope to see you there. All right, so now without further ado, please join me in welcoming Eliberto to the podcast, and let's dive in. Hi, Eliberto. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, hello, how are you? I'm doing well, how are you doing? I'm fine, I'm fine, thank you. Excellent, and you're coming to us from Mexico City, is that right? That's right, yes, I am now based in Mexico City. All right, well thank you so much for taking the time to be here. Oh, thanks uh, for having me. Happy to. So our listeners by now have heard uh, my introduction of you, but just if you could yeah. in your own words, tell us yeah. a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, so basically I started teaching um, around 20 years ago uh, or so. Um, I spent a lot of time in one uh, language school. I learned a lot there, but then um, I, there was a point where I needed to start moving. So then I decided mm -hmm. to start taking other courses. Uh, I went to the UK and I did my Delta there. When I came to Mexico, I, I was offered the position of a teacher trainer. So then, yeah, that's why I am now uh, giving CELTA courses around, around Mexico and also Latin America. Uh, I live right now in Mexico. Uh, mm -hmm. Last year I tried to live in Merida, but uh, just because of the heat, I decided to come here to the city and now I am here. Excellent. All right. So today what I wanted to talk to you about is um, yeah. a topic that I think a lot of teachers have questions about, which is basically okay. dealing with different kinds of students in the classroom. So obviously yeah. all students are different. Can you tell us a little bit about the, the ways that students can differ in the classroom, either the physical or the online classroom? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, yes. Um, 
First, uh, I would like to just define the type of lessons we usually have as English teachers, which Great. are basically heterogeneous. Mm -hmm. So uh, basically all students are different. So if you happen to have uh, a class of more than one student, then you have a right. heterogeneous class. <laughs> Exactly. Why? That's because a nice way to think of it. Yeah, because there are there are differences in interests, um, expectations, personalities, language awareness, and so on and so forth. So yeah, and um, and yeah, basically the challenge is trying to meet expectations and also as well uh, trying to cater to um, yeah all the needs you have in the room. So it's quite challenging sometimes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So how can teachers be more sensitive to students' differences and different students' needs? Well, for starters, they have to understand the fact that uh, everybody's different mm -hmm. and, uh, and the fact that they need to prepare probably more materials. Um, there is also a problem in pacing. So, for example, uh, some students can get bored in, in class just because they know more than the others or they think they know more than the <laughs> others. Right. Um, yeah, sometimes this, this as aspect of boredom can also affect the flow of the lesson. And also as well, uh, attending to individuals. So um, the more students you have, obviously the more challenging it becomes. Absolutely. Right. So you've mentioned a couple ways that students can differ in the classroom. Obviously, they have different personalities because different people have different personalities, different yeah. motivations, different levels of language awareness. Um, so a big way that students can differ is even with placement tests, even with students taking placement tests when they sign up for the course, it's not that uncommon as many teachers have found to have mm -hmm. students in the same group who are just at different levels of English. Like some students uh -huh. are just a little bit more advanced than others in the same yeah. class. So how is that just the aspect of having different English levels in the same classroom? How can that be challenging for teachers? What, how does that affect the lesson basically? Yeah, uh, actually, uh, I think that is commonplace in English teaching, mm -hmm. uh, number one. And number two, it, it can be challenging in many different ways. Uh, for example, okay, let's get started with um, differentiated instruction. So you have, you have to be aware of the fact that sometimes what you say to students is not clear to everybody, number one. Right. And number two, probably, you have to, you have to also become aware uh, of the fact that they need more time, for example, to answer centered tasks or probably... Uh, you have to give little tweaks here and there to the course materials so you can suit uh, all, the, all the kind of needs they need, uh, well, you have there in the room, okay? Mm -hmm. So uh, what I'm saying is that uh, probably, probably, for example, the way you ask questions can, go, can be a good start. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes you can, you can control it a lot and you can just uh, ask a question and then without allowing students to, for example, read a question. Um, another, another type of technique would be to uh, ask the same question, but now allowing some learners to read the questions if they want. Um, probably, probably the fact that you leave it open to them is going to help them uh, become more uh, motivated. Also as well, if you time students, it can help. But on the other hand, uh, some students need some time since they have different levels. So uh, probably you can also leave open uh, the fact that they can have an extra minute or two minutes. Uh, mm -hmm. You can also pair students with um, a stronger learner, so this uh, learner can help the other uh, learner in case uh, this person needs uh, some clarification on anything. Right, and you mentioned a term at the beginning of what you said, which is differentiated instruction. Yeah. Uh, just for our listeners to clarify, so if you're not familiar with that term and you're listening, it basically just means 
catering to different levels, English levels um, in the same classroom. That's correct. Yes. So, so for example, as I said before, probably in your first task, you give some questions without mm -hmm. students uh, reading them. And then in the next task that you said, probably it's just another set of questions where students read them and they, uh, they are also free to choose the questions they want to answer, for example. Um, That's and great. Then, mm -hmm. And if you have this level of understanding, then you are catering uh, for more more um, learning styles. Yeah, probably. Right. And I like that the, where you started with your advice as well was um, grading your language. So when we say grading your language, we don't mean grading as in giving a grade like 80% or you know, grade A or whatever. Uh, yeah. What we mean is, you know, grade as in gradation. So more challenging language versus less challenging language. And I think a great place to start probably is to grade your language at a level that is as simple as possible. Um, a lot of teachers I've heard say, um, well, you know, if I have more advanced students in the classroom, isn't it nice to make my language, for example, in my instructions, a little bit more complicated so that it challenges them to, you know, improve their listening comprehension or whatever. But what I would say to that is instructions are not the time <laughs> to practice students' listening comprehension. Yeah, instructions are instructions. The only purpose of giving instructions is to make the task clear to the students. So yeah. if you can do that in the simplest way possible, then you're catering to all of your learners, not just the more advanced learners in the class. Yeah, true. I have always said to candidates, um, when you give instructions, it's not the time of teaching. You are not mm -hmm. teaching anything right now. You're right. just explaining a task. You have to make sure everybody understands everything they have to do. And I'm probably, yeah, thinking about using some ICQs or probably mm -hmm. using the board or other different techniques, like, for example, uh, using imperative language. That's key. Um, and yes. yeah, you're right. Uh, despite the fact you, you think your students can follow your instructions um, if they are more complex, you have to keep them simple. So exactly. You, yeah. So everybody understands what to do. Right. And I liked your point as well about even making them visual where possible, because yeah. obviously for the more advanced students, that's not going to hurt anything to oh, see no, the no. questions. Okay. Right. But for the less advanced students, that could be really helpful. Um, yeah. So in case they don't have the ability to catch everything when you say it the first time, they have that visual support that they can use to understand what they're supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. True. Those are fantastic strategies. Um, yes. Great. Uh, can you think of other strategies that teachers can use to accommodate different levels in the same class? So you mentioned that pacing can be an issue. You know, obviously yes. stronger students are going to finish faster. Uh -huh. What can teachers do to deal with that? Yeah, so basically we can, we can divide that into three main categories. First, for Great. example, the first one could be uh, activity design. The second mm -hmm. one is reaching the individual. And the third one probably can be uh, providing for learning at different levels. Um, and what mm -hmm. I mean by that is just using open-ended uh, activities, for example. Okay, so, um, so the first one, activity design. So you, can, you, can, you have to keep it um, uh, interesting to learners. Uh, you have to give variety to the activities. And you have to also be aware of the fact that the students, um, if you want them to feel involved then, and, and enjoy the activity, you have to give them a certain level of challenge. And I'm talking about all learners, weak mm -hmm. and strong learners. Uh, probably in terms of topic, for example, uh, bringing variation to the activity, you can think about different topics. Uh, probably one, in one class, um, the, the activity was less challenging than in a different class. Um, you, also, you can also give them more time to finish the activity as opposed to timing them all the time. 
and um, and you can also have them work individually or in pairs um, whenever they want to, to to work with somebody, right? So what I mean is uh, probably you have give, you have to give them some freedom in terms mm-hmm. of okay, if I don't want to work with somebody, uh, can I work alone for this task? That's okay, no problem. And also as well, it is okay to to uh, let them know that uh, being right all the time is not the most important thing. I mean, they can mm-hmm. make, make mistakes yeah, Great. and experiment with language. So in the second point, reaching uh, the individual. So indivi- individualization is actually an important aspect of, uh, of this type of lessons. So what I mean with that is uh, having the right pace and also as well, not forcing the students to work with other people, right? And, and also giving them the chance to decide what to do. Like if I have six questions, probably you can ask them to choose the ones they like or they would like to answer. Great. As opposed Mm -hmm. to just forcing them to go over all the questions. Mm -hmm. And in terms of personalization, uh, well, I think think, um, it is quite straightforward. It's actually just talking about yourself. It's being um, more, let's say, um, open in terms of what this has to do with my with my life like for example uh it's not about uh, the character i read about in, in the text but more about me as an individual okay? and his mm-hmm. respective feelings he's also been open to contributions at different levels and also um work with different people so try to motivate uh, collaboration in class mm-hmm. so you're saying um sorry to interrupt you're saying yeah, no, basically no, like okay. switching up the pairs frequently Maybe yes. so that sometimes stronger students are working with stronger students and other times less strong students are working with stronger students. So everybody kind of gets experience working with everybody else. Yes, yes, that's, that's actually ideal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and the last point would be uh, providing for learning at different levels. So mm-hmm. what, I, what I said before was the, this terminology, which is open-ended uh, activities, which means it's not just uh, this controlled practice that we are just used to having in our lessons, but more probably semi-controlled practice where they have multiple answers for one exercise. Mm-hmm. And, and in there, you can, you can see the difference in, in, in level. So the strong learner is supposed to use more grammar, for example, as opposed to the, the weak learner. But anyways, uh, the two of them uh, can, be, can be successful in the same task. That's very helpful. Would you suggest making several different versions of the same exercise to give to different learners? It could be. It could be. Okay. Uh, actually, the name of that uh, is tier tasks. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but basically, you can keep the same format of, uh, of the task. Just, uh, give it, just the fact that the answer can be in different ways, that gives the, the learners different, I mean, freedom freedom to interact and also think of different possibilities within the same level. So I see. Uh, yeah. So, so you're saying that an activity could have multiple correct answers. Obviously correct. the more advanced students would maybe see all of the possibilities or more of the possibilities, whereas the less advanced students might just get one option, which would still be correct. Yeah, that's correct. And also uh, the stronger learners can, can challenge themselves in terms of using more connectors, for example, or complex mm-hmm. vocabulary. And still the answer is correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent. And, That's helpful. And yes. I, I know you were about to say something else, and I cut you <laughs> no, off. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, that was it. And and also probably having these brainstorming sessions uh, where everybody can contribute with different ideas, regardless of the level. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, I mean, um, weak learners can can give you correct ideas just using nouns, for example, or short ideas, as opposed to strong learners where they can give you more complex uh, ideas, but still uh, give you a good contribution. Yeah, I like that idea of praising and acknowledging the learners for what they say that is correct. So even mm-hmm. if one student's contribution is not as complex or not as advanced as another student's contribution, still picking out what is correct about that and praising the student for that yeah. versus praising the more advanced student for whatever he or she got correct um, can be really helpful so that everybody feels acknowledged and motivated. Yeah, and going along with motivation, probably what you might want to do as well is uh, include what we call a compulsory versus optional. So probably after finishing a task, you can actually tell them, oh, you know what, and there is an extra task just in case you need to, um, you have time or you want a little bit more challenge, for example. Mm-hmm. And then if, if as a learner, I feel strong enough to go for, a, for more challenge, then I, I will answer the extra task, the optional one. And if I don't feel prepared enough, then I can just stay there and play safe a little bit. Why not? It's, it's also valid. That's a great idea. My follow-up question to that would be, how would you suggest doing feedback on that task? Because I think something that can get a little bit challenging for teachers is that if you have students doing slightly different things, like mm-hmm. you know, all the students are doing this primary level of the mm-hmm. exercise, but then the more advanced students have the option to go on and do this additional exercise. Yep. How do those students then get feedback on that exercise without taking time away from the students who didn't do it? Yes. So if you if you the biggest issue is timing, you can actually use um, answer keys. Uh, this is a more this is a more uh, student centered technique. So that means you give the answer to students. They check and they um, they collaborate. They work together. And probably the strong learner can explain something to the weak one and so on and so forth. Um, you can have, or for example, just people uh, working together. The people who answer the same tasks, mm-hmm. or you can. It just has to do with uh, you knowing your learners. So if you know they are ready for the challenge, despite the fact they didn't go for the optional task, I'm talking about the weak learners, you can have them work with a strong learner so they uh, explain what they did in the other task. But, uh, but if, you, if you use answer keys, it's, more, it's friendlier. It's friendlier to students and it's not time consuming. Yeah. Those are such great ideas. And I think for teachers listening, I don't know if this sounds like a lot or not, but yes, at first it might feel like you have a lot of moving parts you need to coordinate, but I think there are some Mm -hmm. pretty simple strategies that you're giving us now that once you've practiced them a little bit, I think it's going to become very smooth. Um, And I like that there are several different options that you've mentioned here that, okay, if you do have this extra task that more advanced students can go on to do, Mm -hmm. one really great option that you mentioned is giving that answer key. So it could be as simple as, you know, fold the paper in half. And when the students are ready, they can unfold the paper and there are the answers. So they can check. Um, Or like you said, you could pair the more advanced students together so they can actually do some peer feedback on that task while you as the teacher maybe are more closely monitoring the lower level students and kind of helping them catch up with the primary exercise before moving on. That's correct. Yeah. We just have to bear in mind the fact that we cannot teach all all of the students all of the time. (laughs) That's a great point. And it's something that I think teachers need to get used to a little bit, that it's okay to let some things go. Of course. (laughs) And also as well, students like this freedom of choice. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, they don't need to feel pressured all the time. 
to be right or to just keep up with the others. Not really, it's not about that. It's just uh, making students feel uh, part of the group and also mm -hmm. um, helping them acknowledge their success. Right, that each student is kind of competing against him or herself, not everybody else in the class, or not competing, but they're measuring against what they knew before, not necessarily measuring against what everybody else knows or can do in the classroom. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, That's definitely. a great way to think of it. Yeah. I like the point that you made as well earlier. I just want to go back to sure. something you said before that stood out to me. Um, the idea of personalization. And I think uh -huh. it's such a great point that something teachers should keep in mind is just because students are at a lower language level, that doesn't have any bearing or that doesn't reflect on what they actually know in terms of life awareness. Mm -hmm. I don't know, that might sound obvious, but something I see in teachers sometimes is, uh -huh. um, or people who aren't maybe terribly used to dealing with language learners, mm -hmm. is there's this sense that if the student doesn't know the word, it means they don't know that thing. Yeah. You know, so like if the student doesn't know the word for coffee, for example, uh -huh. um, it's tempting for the teacher for whatever reason to think, oh, that's so cute. He doesn't even know what coffee is. <laughs> no, he knows what coffee is. He just doesn't know the word for it in English, yeah. right? Like, yeah, true. Um, yeah. so it's, it can be tempting sometimes to have this sense with low level learners that, oh, you know, they don't even know about this topic. No, this is an adult human being. They know about the topic. They just don't have the words for it in English. Yeah, true. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, not treating the lower level students as if they're children, they're at the same cognitive level as all of the other students in the class. It's just um, providing a chance for all of the students to personalize the material and relate to the material at whatever English level they have access to at that time. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. uh, yes, yeah, so I think including a lot of personalization is a great way to keep the students sort of on the same page, even if they're not quite at the same language level. Yes, um, we also we need to we need to remember we're dealing with human beings. They exactly, are not mountains, they are not chairs. They have feelings, so we have to keep this effective learning all the time. Um, yeah, um, we have to make them feel part of the lesson and also acknowledge what they want to say. Yeah, mm -hmm. as you said it before, they, they you know exactly if you know how to read your students' minds. I mean, faces probably. Uh, you know they want to express something or or meaning is there. So just help them with what they need to express their ideas. Exactly, great point. So some of the strategies that you've mentioned sound great for in-person learning. Yeah. Um, obviously now that's not what a lot of us are able to do at the moment uh -huh. with everything going on in the world right now. Um, so what are some strategies that teachers can use to accommodate different student levels but in the same online group? Do the strategies you've mentioned translate pretty well to uh -huh. online teaching? Well, actually, you can use all the strategies online, and, mm -hmm. and basically the fact that you're working online can help you with other strategies. For example, uh, whenever you set different groups, separate groups, students cannot listen to each other. So mm -hmm. then you, you, as you are monitoring different groups uh, online, you can, you can give them different tasks if they have finished, for example, the, the tasks before. Right. And you can also help with some challenge in, in whenever they feel confused. Or you can uh, ask them to go back to the main room whenever they finish the task. So that means in the main room, they will find other tasks. Oh, that's a great idea. And it, it sounds like, our, I don't know if you're talking about Zoom and the breakout rooms, or I'm yes. sure other platforms have the same yes. capabilities. That's but yeah. yeah, as a listener, if you're not familiar with this, 
um, the online platform Zoom has this feature in meetings called breakout rooms, and it's a really great way to assign learners in your online classroom into pairs, so or groups, small groups. Um, so if you haven't tried it out, I would encourage you to try it, but basically you can assign a certain number of groups or a certain number of students in each group. You can even, if you want to take the time, assign specific students to specific groups. Um, and then, yeah, it basically gives them their own little online meeting within the meeting where they can talk in pairs or groups. And as the teacher yeah, or the host yeah. of the meeting, you can pop in and out of different breakout rooms to monitor them. Yes, um, uh, you can, you can mm -hmm. also as well uh, send them materials beforehand. Oh, great idea. Especially, and especially for weak learners, you can say, uh, for example, these are, this is the information we're going to check today. Probably some examples, not exactly what you are going to check, but then uh, this can help students be more prepared uh, for what they are going to see in class. That's a really nice idea so that they feel like they can do a little bit of preparation and a little yes. bit of practice before they join the class with all the other students. Right, or, or probably some reference to previous lessons. So mm -hmm. uh, I don't know, probably you can suggest just uh, revising certain lessons so they can be more prepared. Mm -hmm. That's a fantastic idea. Great. Um, well, we're starting to wrap up, but do you have okay. anything else you'd like to mention about this topic? Any other advice you would give teachers about dealing with mixed levels in the same online classroom? Well, um, what I would say now is that uh, it's not just uh, disadvantages. There are some advantages of teaching uh, mixed ability lessons. For example, uh, one is that students can become more tolerant mm -hmm. uh, yeah, working with others. There is more cooperation, so they, they become more accustomed to working with people. Um, they have uh, this exchange of ideas is richer. Why? Because students at higher levels can express their ideas better. And, and also as well, some teachers actually become uh, better teachers after mm -hmm. having worked with these mixed ability lessons. Why? Because they have to prepare more materials, they have to adapt materials, they have to think of different techniques to cater for different learners and so on and so forth. So all this uh, helps in the teaching development. That's great. Yeah. And it's great to think about this as being a potential advantage, not just something that as the teacher you have to deal with. Oh, no. Oh, no. And it's just part of our reality as teachers. I mean, it's Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's a normal thing. It doesn't have to be a bad thing. It doesn't have to be a scary thing. It no. just has to be something that we think about and reflect on a little bit more. And with a few tweaks in our planning, I think that we can cater to different levels in the same classroom much more effectively. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So just to summarize, since there was a lot of good information in this episode and feel free to add anything in that I'm missing. Um, so we have talked about strategies for dealing with different level learners. Uh, first of all, we have to be aware of our students' differences in our classroom, right? Um, then we need to use some strategies. For example, we can uh, design activities in a way that accommodate different levels. So either making two different versions of activities or creating an activity that has more open-ended answers. So as you said, mm -hmm. a semi-controlled practice where perhaps the more advanced students can find more correct answers to the same prompt, whereas lower level learners can just be praised for finding one correct answer. Yes, that's right. Um, we need to teach to the individual, which means including a lot of personalization in our mm -hmm. tasks. Mm -hmm. um, and then we can also use pairing of learners to help cater to different levels. So sometimes putting stronger students together, sometimes putting weaker students together, and sometimes mixing the levels in the pairs. Yes. 
And what am I missing? What else have we talked about? Yeah, just probably the clear distinction between uh, personalization and individualization. Mm, so okay. individualization uh, may be just uh, this uh, difference in pace, in the learning pace, mm-hmm. and this uh, freedom of choice from students' uh, part. And personalization is just uh, making the information their own and also paying attention to what they want to express, their feelings, experiences, and so on and so forth. Yes, and that reminds me of something that we haven't explicitly talked about, but that I think goes along with the idea of individualization that you mentioned, which, as you said, is letting learners kind of work at their own pace. Mm-hmm. Um, if, as a teacher, you haven't already been doing this, I would strongly encourage you to try this, um, and that is using what we call the task cycle or micro stages in your lesson. So. Yeah. For some reason, it's tempting, I think, especially online to sort of throw this out the window. But what I mean when I say the task cycle is that learners should first be allowed to work on activities alone, Uh then check their answers with a pair, and then we go over the answers as a group. Um, Obviously, if it's something like a discussion or a group project, you can jump right to the pair or group stage. But if it's something like a fill-in-the-blank exercise where there are correct answers or not, or a reading task where there are comprehension questions, students really need time to work first by themselves. Um, And so I think that's where we get into that pacing issue is if, if as the teacher you do everything as a whole group and you're just eliciting the answers right away from the entire class, who's going to respond? The strongest students, right? And the weaker Uh students are going to get left behind. Exactly. So by letting the students first work alone and just sort of embracing the awkward silence that happens Mm -hmm. as all of the students are working alone, Mm -hmm. because it's only awkward to you as the teacher, not to the students, (laughs) Uh, then even the weaker students have time to kind of work through things at their own pace. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Great. Uh, All right. Well, thank you so much. This was very useful information about teaching mixed level classes um, and some helpful strategies for doing this, even online, as I know many of us are um, doing online teaching right now. Uh Um, Yeah, I really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for your insight. Thanks for having me. Thank you. It was a pleasure. My pleasure. Hopefully we'll get to talk again soon. Of course. Yeah, we will. (laughs) All right. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Take care. Thanks for listening. Your support means so much to us. Feel free to leave a comment below if you enjoyed this and let us know what you want to hear about in upcoming episodes. If you know other teachers and travelers, we'd love for you to share this podcast with them too. And tune in this coming Tuesday for our next episode. Until then, you can find us at teflhorizons.com. Let's keep making this big world smaller by expanding horizons.